senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlast podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And this... God damn it, wait for it. Fucking wait for it. I can't wait for it. I can't wait. Is episode 100. <laughs> Woo! I didn't think we'd make it to 100. <laughs> Nobody did. Episode 100, everybody. Yay, we're not dead yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, it's a hundred episode, and of course we don't have anything, but that was the special thing that I planned for this episode, was that's, that intro. That's great, that's great. It's it's one of those things, it's on paper it should be, ooh, it's the hundredth episode, but it's it's just another goddamn week, you know, and we, we talk about whatever's happening that week, so it's not like we can say, oh, and some ultra special will influence the comics news this week so that we have a very special story that we can talk about. And let's, let's, let's have a retrospective of our drunken ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no, having a retrospective on drunken ramblings, we call that Saturday morning and we feel shame. Can That's, we have a montage? I feel like there should be a montage. <laughs> There's no montage. There's like the, slow 80s I, music. I told you everything special about this episode. I just fucking did. <laughs> Those sound of that's it. That's what we got. I found pants. <laughs> Why? It's was, radio. Because it's fuck's the hundredth episode. I was feeling fancy. Are they fancy pants? Nah, they're gym pants. Okay, yeah, you're a hero. They, they have pockets. <laughs> you, for what? Your gym mace? <laughs> In order to beat people stuff. away from you. <laughs> for your gym stuff. My stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but part of the problem is, in my head, those first ten episodes, they don't, they don't count. If you're a relatively just because we were in a blackout, um, yes, basically, <laughs> yeah. If, if you're a relatively new uh, listener to the show, you might say, "Oh, let me dig back through the archives." And it's a common thing for podcasts <laughs> to say, "We're going to do a very special first episode that introduces who we are and what the show is going to be about." And we did that kinda <laughs> in that what we did was we got a the the world's cheapest uh portable mixer, yep. a two channel USB mixer. And microphones that had previously been used and abused on stand-up comedy stages, you know, with the the stench of failure and horrible booze spit of a thousand struggling stand-up comedians. My microphone still has a dent in it from a joke I used to do. That the punchline, because this is the stellar writer that I was. The punchline was I would beat the microphone into my forehead, and that's comedy, baby. <laughs> that's high art. That's high concept. That's good shit. For like a year, I had a callus in the center of my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and that was terrifying was. to almost everybody involved. It None was. of us wanted to say it. Is that it. an eye? What's growing there? <laughs> it's like, oh, we would get to that point in your act and it go, oh, Jesus, no, please. <laughs> you can drop that joke tonight. It works. It kills every time. But the the thing is also not noticing, because when you do stand-up comedy, you don't have headphones like on the radio or in yeah. the podcast. <laughs> the pung that would echo through the room when you did that joke was horrifying. I probably would, had a mild concussion for a year. It would explain a great deal about the, the about, inter- me now. about the interceding 10 years, yes. <laughs> but 
But yeah, it was that that first episode, the first 10 episodes, we, we didn't have a schedule. It was always sort of a, oh, let's pick a topic at the last minute. And rather than, say, prepare for the show or do any research, we would prepare by drinking about nine beers. Yeah. And we go to our local bar and we'd, we'd, we'd have a conversation about the, the comics news of the week. Yeah. And uh, then proceed to have, I would have about a bottle of wine. Um, because they had good strong pours. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, and uh, I'd have uh, five or six West Coast IPAs. Yeah, so like nine percent alcohol apiece, <laughs> and that would be let's go home and be famous on the radio. <laughs> We've got shit to say, man. And it was our our desks were set up next to each other because we yes. did it in our office at that point, and we'd sort of perch the mixer in between them, so we're both sitting at our desks. We can't even fucking look at each other. We're doing things set up. <laughs> So we're barely talking. Only I had headphones because I had leftover headphones from when I did radio 10 years ago. Yeah. So you had no idea how you sounded. No. Not that it mattered. You wouldn't remember afterwards. <laughs> so we do this horrible thing for like, oh, we'll do a 22-minute episode of some sort. And yeah, then immediately after, you know, having had several more drinks, amazingly in the 22 minutes, we'd say, all right, now let's listen to it and oh, see God. if it's any good. And you're drunk enough. If it's even remotely coherent, that was a good show. And then I'd have to edit the whole thing while still drunk. So for 22, I'd have to talk about it for 22 minutes, listen to it for 22 minutes, edit it for an hour and 22 minutes. I was sick of the sound of my own fucking voice. So we stopped doing it regularly, and then we stopped doing it at all. Yeah. So yeah, those first 10 episodes that take place over about a year and a half, I don't really even count those. Yeah, they're they're still on the RSS feed. If you're morbidly curious about how to <laughs> how to fuck up the first ten episodes of your podcast, it's, it's a real it's a it's a real snapshot of what not to do. I mean, there were one or two decent ones in there. There was the conversation that we had about the psychology of supervillains. Yeah, that and, was all right. And whether things made sense. We were only remotely blackout drunk for that one. I that worked. I out felt okay. pretty good about that one, but I felt pretty good about a lot of them. I, I was really drunk. Yeah, it's it was not a. a was, my, my liver has taken on sort of a foie gras like consistency, I think, and size at this point. Yeah, it's, <laughs> the whole. I, I don't have the fat, drunken, stupid. There's no way to go through life, son. Sound clip, but that's what it would apply. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, those first ten, then yeah, we took like a two year break where we just did written stuff, and it, it took a while to to be like, you know, we can do it like radio because I'd done radio and we'd both done stand up, and yeah. the, the whole purpose of that is. It's kind of in the moment. Just say it. It doesn't fucking matter. It's transitory anyway. Even in a podcast, it's recorded. But it's a, nobody's going <laughs> to – we do stuff about the, the news of the week or the comics of the week. It's you – know, they've, they've got a half-life, but it's not like somebody's going to say, wow, episode 38. That's my favorite. I can listen to it over and over <laughs> and over again. Doesn't fucking matter. People listen to this once and then wait for the next one, which is fine. So it's – It's not like it's a Zeppelin box set. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank God, that thing's overrated. They overproduced that fucker. But it kept me from having to buy like eight Zeppelin albums, so I already had two of them. What was I talking about? It? Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was... Uh, still drink. We still drink with the show. Uh, yes, only we start drinking. I, I crack my first beer just before I say, okay, counting down. <laughs> but yeah, once we realized, you know, yeah, we can sort of just do it live, and yeah, you don't have to spend hours and hours listening to yourself, you know, editing it, making it as tight as humanly possible. It's why we'll we'll never be nerdist. 
It's why this will. A lot of reasons why we won't be nervous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the reason that the the this is the largest studio we will ever have in the it's basement. It's a pretty large studio. It is, and we've got a dedicated area for it, which is nice. And it we're getting art on the walls. Not that you care. It's not a visual medium, but oh, thank God! I no, now we... get to look at a Breakfast Club poster while we do this instead of uh, the unbearable whiteness of being. You know, I went to all this goddamn trouble to make it so we could look at each other during the show, <laughs> and you're just laser focused <laughs> on the Breakfast Club poster. It's like, don't fucking make eye contact with Rob. Jesus. <laughs> Christ, we can barely fucking do this show as it is. Don't look at him. Keep your eyes shut. Oh, I like looking at you. You know that. Uh-huh. Lightning. <laughs> Fire. Power of God or something. The worst thing I did for this show was get that soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we make good use of it. Yes, we'll have good use of it. Usually. Later. So. <laughs> So yeah, it's okay. It's our hundredth episode. Uh, that's uh, the entirety Ooh. of the retrospective and the special shit. And besides, there was just too much comics and geek shit that happened this week for us to just sit around and talk about how wonderful we've both become to be able to somehow find the wherewithal to yammer into a microphone about yeah. fucking comic books a hundred times, not even in a row, just a hundred times total. Less navel gazing, more current events. Yeah. <laughs> We'll move on. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the first thing, and this is kind of minor, and there's not a hell of a lot to talk about, but considering how big a societal force it's been. Force, get it? Uh, <laughs> I suck. <laughs> hey, it's a good thing I loaded this sound effect up. There we go. <laughs> but, uh, That's nice. Yeah, so Star Wars news uh, this week, Star Wars Episode Eight. Which is not going to be the next Star Wars movie. The next Star Wars movie Rogue is Rogue One. Uh, yeah, uh, Rogue One or Rogue Squadron. I don't even remember. It's called Rogue One. The, the spinoff movies I don't give a shit about. Yeah. Now, give me the, the in-canon epic ones. You know, the other ones, uh, I'll catch them up on board. Or... Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's been delayed. Uh, it was originally supposed to be released uh, May of next year. It's been pushed back to December 15th of 2017. And... My first reaction was, have you no respect for the 40th anniversary of the release of the original Star Wars? <laughs> and then I realized, of course they fucking don't, and neither do I. Because yeah. literally, I had to sit down and count the decades off on my fingers to make sure it was the 40th anniversary. You know, like an eight-year-old trying to puzzle out the Roman numeral copyright date and the credits of an episode of Magnum P.I. Clearly, if I don't give enough of a shit to just know, why the hell would Disney and Lucasfilm... Why is that date all in letters? <laughs> <laughs> that was the only reason I ever learned Roman numerals. It's the only reason anybody ever learned Roman numerals. And I think that's a Simpsons joke, but it's <laughs> fucking true. That's the truth. Yeah, I, I, I got nothing. I, I swear I remember to God. Being, I remember it being inflicted on me. I don't know why. I remember half, I, rem half I, I swear to God, half of why I like Barney Miller as a kid was because the credit <laughs> sequence on that just listed the fucking date like an American. You knew the episode was 1978. That's a Barney Miller was a great fucking show. I enjoyed but, Barney Miller. But it's a sad thing when one of the specific things I remember about that show is, yeah, the copyright credits and the crawl at the end of the episode, <laughs> one of my favorites of all shows. I, I, I can't help you. I have wasted my fucking life. <laughs> That's a separate conversation. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm sure one that will work itself out on the air eventually. But uh, so, yeah, it's... Sadly, my, my second reaction was, and this is the hell of getting older. You know, I'm middle aged now. I'm in my mid forties. And it was hard it was hard when I was a kid to go see a Star Wars movie or an Indiana Jones movie and realize, oh no, I gotta wait three years to see the next one. Yeah. When you hit your mid forties, 
they're like, we're pushing the movie back six months. It's like, I want to make sure I'm still, I'm not entirely certain anymore that I'll be alive that long. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here with three open beers and an e-cigarette. And I really need to hit the gym someday or we at least think about it. Take more walks. Eat something that isn't made of pork. I, I, wait, wait, no, no. You're, now you're just talking crazy. <laughs> but there are things that I should be doing that I, I'm not. And yeah, it's every time these movies get announced, it's like, it's weird in my head. We, you know, they say 40s, the new 20, but in my head, they talk about Marvel phase four. I'm like, I'm not seeing that shit. I'm going to be long dead for that. <laughs> they say that, that 40 is the new 20 because they realize that. Many of us adults have it's 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 like a legion of superheroes predicted it correctly in the thirty first century that um, adolescence was going to extend into your thirties. Yeah, you just stay a child. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting I, sitting at our homemade radio station underneath a Breakfast Club poster. Yeah. Not a kid with it. Uh, yeah, our, our original Batman art and my uh, Watchmen comedian statue <laughs> over in the corner. Not a child within a thousand yards of here, and not nope. because of a court order. <laughs> I just don't like them. Didn't have to introduce ourselves to anybody in the neighborhood. It's just exactly. And for, as a matter of fact, I prefer not to because I may get up to some shenanigans. Not with kids, but I might do some crimes, and it's better they don't know my name or identify me to the police. But the point is. Yes, we're we're still adolescents. It's just now I'm an adolescent who has far too much gray in his beard. And uh, all right, while I got the mute button, I'm sorry. Blocked. I've had a cold for a month. That is all right. That is a hell of getting older. I've had a cold for a month. Yeah. So when they say six months to the next Star Wars movie, that could mean I'm not seeing it. That's I could be dead of black lung by then. This fucking cold holes on. I quit the real smoking. (laughs) It's the e-cigarette. You'll be fine. But, But. so yeah, that's that's a said. No, don't keep pushing them back, because then you could push episode nine another six months, and I'll <laughs> definitely not make it. I've, I've well, re- they they gave some song and dance, as I recall, around. Oh well, you know, we didn't anticipate the fan reaction to some of these new characters, and we want to make sure that we're taking the time to to do it right as we go forward. And also, we really enjoyed the reception that it got with the December opening date. So maybe if we do that again, oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> it's fucking Star Wars. You can open it at midnight in a porno theater in <laughs> Beijing, and it would. <laughs> make fucking 10 million dollars on the first day that is bullshit it's i can believe the whole character thing because yeah the story that's going around is and i forget who's the screenwriter on this if it's still uh lawrence kasdan and uh but it's I feel like ryan johnson is has a hand in the script very likely because he's always been a, a writer director yeah so he's probably got a hand in it but yeah the, the rumor is he was planning on focusing on a couple of new female characters, which is fine, but even that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's not, you know, Lucas handed off Empire Strikes <laughs> Back, but he didn't give Kasdan and Lee, uh, Kasdan and, uh, Lee Brecknell, I think that's her name, the instructions. You know, the, you know that Luke kid and Leia? Fuck off and forget about them. Uh, <laughs> the, the dude that Cliffy from Cheers is playing, the guy on Hoth, let's, let's focus on him for a while. <laughs> Now I want nothing more <laughs> than I, to see a spin-off. That's probably Cliff. that's probably why they fired Lee Bracknell. She wrote the movie about Cliff. I like this young actor. I think he's going places. Oh God, do you think is Cliff Ray's dad? That would be so great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking glorious. I want that so badly now. <laughs> 
I mean, Ratzenberger clearly needs the dough. He's doing the Weight Watchers commercials with uh, with What's-Her-Face. Oprah? <laughs> Not Oprah. Uh, uh, who's the one who wasn't Diane? Rebecca. Oh, oh. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and with uh, the dude who plays Norm. Shit, they're, really? Yeah, they're all doing a Weight Watchers commercial to celebrate how much weight. Uh, uh, what's her? Jesus Christ, she played Savick and yeah, and, um, Kirstie Alley. Yeah, Kirstie Alley. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. So, so uh, apparently, whatever she learned through Narconon wasn't enough to apply to food. Uh, don't don't make fun of Narconon. I don't need that kind of legal heat. Come on, <laughs> stop that shit now. <laughs> I didn't say the S word. I just said Narconon. Don't don't even say S. <laughs> just move on. Move the fuck on. But. <laughs> But, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think <laughs> if I had to hazard a guess, and I'm just guessing here, there's no way there wasn't a huge focus on Ray and Finn and Poe Dameron already in the next movie, which still doesn't have a title. Apparently, I think I saw online today the working title, the same way Blue Harvest was the working <laughs> title for, like, Empire, yeah. is, uh, is Bear Wars or something. <laughs> Star Wars 8 Bear Wars is the working title. <laughs> But but if I has, had to hazard a guess, uh, somebody looked at Tumblr and said, oh, everybody's talking about uh, Oscar Isaacs and particularly the, the lip bite. All right, let, let's homoerotic it up. Let's just let's leave enough open there. To... Bear Wars. Exterior <laughs> scene. <laughs> oh, shit. Exterior scene, Provincetown. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's... Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there's indirect confirmation, I guess. <laughs> but, um. Bear Wars, starring Poe Dameron. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. Never mind. I'm moving on. Um, But one of the big press things about when when they announced this last week was they said now it's going to be going up against Steven Spielberg's adaptation of Ready Player One. Okay. It's like, you know, ooh, can Star Wars go up against Spielberg doing a movie about 80s nostalgia? And that's the dumbest fucking thing I ever heard. I think the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, it's not even going to be close. (laughs) I don't care if it's Steven Spielberg or Franz Kafka or Jesus himself directing the movie. It's a movie about someone being nostalgic for Star Wars will never win against fucking Star Wars. It's just not <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's and that's really all we know about the Star Wars thing. It's being pushed back, which is, no, don't push it any further. I start <laughs> taking my pulse and take my blood pressure in the morning. I don't want to have to do that. A, You're drinking orange juice. What more do people want from you? Exactly. Well, in the morning, right now I'm drinking fine Berkshire Brewing Steel Rail Pale Ale. <laughs> and I got a couple of them lined up. So, As you should. I know. I'm doing the, I'm, I do it for the show. Of course you do. I, and I, I do it has it, nothing to do with functional alcoholism at all. Of course not. And I do it every single day during the week so that it doesn't affect me during the show. It's to prepare and practice for the show so that you are in your finest shape. I'm a professional, goddamn. You are. It. I, I was paid uh, several dollars to be a broadcaster once. <laughs> Nobody pays me to do this. <laughs> all right. So the, the other big, well, there were a couple of big shakeup things. Uh, we'll move on to the next one <laughs> okay. uh, from this week. Uh, and this is really far more in your area. In oh, I know your, what we're going to talk about. Yeah, okay. in, in your wheelhouse, Amanda. Uh, yeah, Stephen Moffat uh, will be leaving as showrunner of Doctor Who. <laughs> and that's as much as I read. So you tell me what's going on. Stephen Moffat is leaving 
as showrunner on Doctor Who, can you hear the girly screaming of fans on the internet? Uh, my brother. <laughs> my who, sister. My brother, who, who given a gun with one bullet and faced with Adolf Hitler and Stephen Moffat <laughs> against a wall, <laughs> wouldn't even hesitate. <laughs> yeah, so it's it sort of been hinted at for a while that this was coming, uh, and... I think Bleeding Cool is trying to like you know be like, ooh, we had the scoop on this first. I mean, of course, they always say that. <laughs> they, they do, and we'll talk about Bleeding Cool in another context soon. But <laughs> so, I mean, the the interesting thing here is, all right, so Moffat's stepping down, and uh, they are appointing someone named Chris Chibnall to be the the next showrunner. Uh, wait, wait a minute, Chris Chibnall? Who? Who's that guy? <laughs> I will say again for the record, if you're a new listener to the show, Amanda is a Doctor Who super fan. I am. I, apparently uh, not as much as Chris Chibnall, though. Apparently not. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, I watch and enjoy the show, but I've seen all of them probably one time and only since uh, the ninth Doctor. Okay. So that's where I'm coming from from this. So I have no idea who this person is. Chris Chibnall, who apparently has been a member of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society since 1978. <laughs> uh, apparently. And, and I've, I've got the... I've got the clip that you gave me. You tell me when you want me to play it. No, it's, all right. So Chibnall was, yeah, super fan uh, t- to such a degree that he was a representative in 1986 on a program on the BBC called Open Air, where he talked about um, how how he felt about the show in 1986 and and where it was going, and he was highly critical of it at that time. So it's it's actually quite interesting that eventually he he kind of gets to live the dream and and get involved with Doctor Who as a writer and now as a, a showrunner. So actually, yeah, Rob, this this would be a good place <laughs> to, okay. to play the clip. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, if you're uh, somehow just tuning in to this pre-recorded program, uh, which you need to go out of your way to, <laughs> to go obtain, uh, this uh, is Chris Chibnall, the showrunner of Doctor Who. Are you happy with the new series, Chris? It doesn't seem to um, have much to it. it. It hasn't improved that much since it went off the air. It could have been a lot better. It could have been slightly better written especially the the last story. Why? The same problem that it was too complicated? Well, not, that, not only that, but it was also very cliched. It was very routine, running up and down corridors and silly monsters. Showrunner of Doctor Who, everybody. <laughs> you can talk through no, this. That's, that's all right. <laughs> I have to say, to be fair, he, he is talking about, uh, I believe, season 23, episode one, which was the, the premiere uh, <clears throat> of, of the... Of the um, trial of the doctor and he's he's being uh it's the colin baking baker years colin baker <laughs> colin baker years uh he's he's on trial for for crimes uh in front of the the gallifreyan high council this is about where i started to check out as a fan as a kid so i'm not entirely um against what he's saying at this point but i do find it interesting that what he's saying there is stuff that fans are still saying now <laughs> fans say that about every genre I know, but it's, it's just so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's the hazard. Well, this is one thing that I would be concerned about. The hazard of fans trying to take over properties yeah. can be very dicey. Well, that's just it. Like, so this is interesting. So do we get um, sort of, because Moffat was a fan too, and, and people have had very mixed emotions about his run as showrunner, feeling that he was much stronger and more suited to be a writer 
where he could be an individual contributor to an overall whole than to, to be the vision guy and also writing individual episodes. Oh, yeah. My brother has very mixed feelings, fear and loathing. But... <laughs> um, on the other hand, you could have like a J.J. Abrams and all of a sudden it's like bright and shiny and exciting again. So but yeah, there are, Abrams does have his detractors, too. So where will Chibnall fall on the spectrum of, of fandom coming to to the writing room and to the, the show running process? Well, Abrams had a couple things going for him. And the main thing being 10 years since the last Star Wars movie and something like 22 years since the last good Star Wars movie. Well, and that's interesting, too, insofar as BBC has decided that there will be no Doctor Who for this year until we get to Christmas. And then Moffat will have his Christmas episode. And then spring of 2017 will be the last hurrah for, for the, the final Moffat run. And then Chibnall will take, take over. Yeah, Jesus, I'm sitting here as a fan worried I'm not going to live to see the next <laughs> Star Wars movie. Um, what's going to happen? The The current Doctor is not exactly a spring chicken either. Yeah, well, and then there is some speculation. Will Capaldi hold, uh, hang on and go into the start of the Chibnall years to, to help with the transition? Or will it be a complete break, clean start? Are they going to go the full... Alan Moore in Miracle Man, <laughs> where it's like, okay, Neil, uh, I've ended all crime and created a utopia. Uh, you start over with nothing. <laughs> now what? Yeah. I mean, is is I don't I don't know how British TV works. I don't know if Capaldi has a contract or if he's just a you know just a poor schmuck like all American workers. I you know, they have at contracts. will employment. I think they have contracts. I mean, technically, you're working for the government. I mean, could they gulag him, throw him in the Tower of London <laughs> if he doesn't want to be the doctor anymore? I, I don't know. I, But I, I think they have contracts. I like, demand a lesson on British fucking copyright law, man. And me. I need it right now. <laughs> yeah, I can't help you with that. Uh, <laughs> this beer's got a lot of alcohol in it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Good for you. No, um... I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to try to err on the side of being hopeful. What Chibnall also has going for him, in addition to the, the super fan aspect, is he has uh, experience as a writer. Uh, he, he was, for Doctor Who already, uh, he wrote <clears throat> about five, five or six episodes going back as early as uh, the episode called 42, which was in the David, David Tennant run. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> again, I, Pretty much all of them since the Night Doctor on, I've seen once. So I actually caught this in reruns on uh, Disney XD of all places, like late night. You 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 had passed out, and <laughs> not surprised. And I was trying to finish up whatever it was I was drinking, and then that turned into ah, maybe I'll just have one more and one more. <laughs> and that's how we found it. Hammered two o'clock in the morning, yeah, watching that's... watching children's television channels. Well, that's not even just... programs the channel. That's just it. the The funny part is, out of all of the episodes of Doctor Who, I would never put this on a children's uh, station. This is a terrifying episode. the The Doctor and Martha arrive on a spaceship that is mining fuel from what turns out to be a living sun. Okay, and. <laughs> And the sun sends out some, some portion of its energy and its, its, um, awareness and it starts to possess members of the crew who then lash out and kill other members of the crew. And eventually it gets to the doctor and there's this like really great line in there where the doctor just deadly serious, um, is looking at Martha and is like, burn with me, Martha. And it's like, ah. <laughs> what was that from his fucking letter to Penthouse? He's pouring baby oil all over himself. No, it was kicking off the Chuck T's. <laughs> much more creepy. Um, <laughs> I don't think it gets much creepier than David Tennant oiling himself up. <laughs> Fuck Martha Jones. 
Um, well, in a homicidal rage. <laughs> you know, Martha Martha got real short shrift as, as one of the companions. <laughs> she, she Burn with me, Martha. I'm your goddamn partner! <laughs> Burn with me, Martha. Finally. Because <laughs> she came on after Rose, and he was all like pining after Rose, and, and wouldn't rebound really with Martha, and Martha was just sort of despondent over most of the run because she could never be the next girl, really. Uh, <laughs> You know, I pined over Rose. She was a slut. She'd put up. <laughs> the only reason I can think of. I, just, I don't know. <laughs> um, in any event, this episode lets Martha um, not be like all sort of like pining away from the doctor. It's it's a very action driven episode, and and she um. She's written very well and and in a very well-rounded manner. One of the nice things I think we're going to see from Chibnall um, through his writing on Doctor Who, he also was a co-creator on Torchwood. People have mixed opinions about Torchwood, but he he worked with the series um, during seasons one and two, which were not shit. Those were the good seasons. Yeah, you know, (laughs) Torchwood gets a bad rate, and Torchwood's another one that I, I, like Doctor Who, I watched as it went along, and I've seen them all once. Yeah. But I've seen them all. I stuck through, through what was the last one? Miracle Day? Yeah. And before that was, it's not, oh shit, I just, it's not uh, children. Children of Earth. Yeah, okay, not Children of Met. But it, that show was solid up until Miracle Day. Now, Miracle Day was shit. Yeah. Miracle Day and was- And Chibnall had nothing to do with yeah. Miracle Day. It's I don't know whose fault it is. They tried to American it up. And they put Omar Epps in it, and they, they tried like hell. <laughs> Stars at least tried. They took a chance, and they just because somebody's in Eight Mile, it doesn't mean that it's going to translate to Torchwood. <laughs> well, yeah, but it, it was clearly a case where Stars or said, was "Fine." He in that? I don't know if he was in that. Um, it, no, that was Mackay Pfeiffer. Oh. Omar Epps was in House. Right. Yes, I like House. I'm just going to move on. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to move along, but it, it was clearly a case where. Stars said, okay, we're going to take a chance on this BBC show that seems to have a niche following in America, but we have notes. (laughs) Not notes. Notes. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, get an American. Here's a list. (laughs) And we get a bad rap because of Vikings or pirates or whatever our show is. So we really need to multiculture it and we need this. It's yeah. Torchwood does not work in America. But the yeah the first couple seasons before even before they started to go into miniseries and Children of Earth was also solid yeah so I'll, wasn't I'll, as good as the first two seasons but it was good yeah I'll I'll stand by Torchwood and it's the one thing I got to keep an eye on uh, I I read not too long ago that uh, uh John Barrowman said he's coming back to do apparently BBC is going to do Torchwood radio dramas oh sweet so and, and that's a nice thing we don't really have that here in the U S but um. For for the fans of of Doctor Who over in the UK, they have all these radio dramas, and and so you know people who were fans of even like you know, Paul McGann, who was on the the Fox movie version of Doctor Who, is the Eighth Doctor. He got to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today we were talking about the Doctor Who movie, and Amanda said, "Have you seen that yet?" I'm like, "Yet's yeah, a strong word. I don't think I'm going to see that." But okay. Anyway, go ahead. Oh oh, that's going to happen. It'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Um, but, but yes, radio dramas. Yeah, he he apparently um, did really great with uh, some of the the radio shows with it, and and so I think that's great that that John Barrowman's going to be doing that for tar- for Torchwood uh, to try to give that show some more life in a different media. Yeah, because it's a 
and the other thing, radio dramas can, if they're done well, they're just cool. Yeah. And we we're talking about Star Wars. I've always had a soft spot for, from when I was a kid. Yeah. There was a Star Wars radio drama, which, uh, back in the, uh, in the early nineties, they came out with them again on CD. I don't even know if they're still in print. Ah. But yeah, National Public Radio in like 1978 did like a 13 episode radio drama of Star Wars. Yeah. Starring Mark Hamill and, Christ, this beer has a lot of alcohol. And Anthony <laughs> Daniels. Yep. Um, and, but most of the other people were different actors, but they, they had some of the core people. And they did it again for Empire Strikes Back in like 1981. And finally, they didn't do it for Jedi, but after the first two came out on CD in like the early 90s, it was like 93 or 94, they finally did another like truncated six hour one. Okay. Six episode one. And they've got all the sound effects and, yeah, but if, if you step back and think of it, if you're a Star Wars junkie in 1978 mm-hmm. with no VCR, you've got the novelization. But if you find out as a as a six year old kid, they're doing not just Star Wars, 13 hours of Star Wars. We're taking Star yeah. Wars and just spreading it out. You you, you want to know about Biggs? Oh, Biggs gets 45 minutes in episode <laughs> two. You know, you want to find out the bathroom arrangements on the Tanami 4? Well, shit, we got a couple minutes on that. Too. I do now. And it's, I, I, I hate to say, I don't know if they're still in print. I'm sure you can get through other sellers on Amazon, uh, the original ones, or there's a little site called Pirate Bay. I'm just saying they, these things are available, but we would never recommend stealing though. Yes. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, I certainly wouldn't, uh, if you emailed me, tell you the, uh, the <laughs> VPN vendor I use to avoid detection. But the point is, radio, radio dramas can be fun, and I liked Torchwood, so I am looking forward to these Torchwood ones, if I yeah. can uh, set myself some kind of Google reminder to find out when they're coming out. Right. Um, so I, I, as I was kind of going through these, you know, Torchwood looks – his work on Torchwood, I felt, was solid. He was um, the writer on the episodes that introduced – Captain uh, John Hart, which was James Marster's character, who was uh, Captain Jack's nemesis. Okay. Um, he wrote the the season finale for season one, uh, which was Exit Wounds, which was Gwen sort of pushing the envelope and challenging Jack's authority. Uh, so he's he's very good at writing characters who who are are fierce and willing to take chances and <laughs> and won't back down. <laughs> well, depending on it your point. Doesn't afraid of anybody. <laughs> well, then, depending on your point of view, it's either good or terrible that Clara's out of the way. So, on the other hand, he wrote dinosaurs on a spaceship, which <laughs> burn him, burn him. <laughs> was one of the goofier episodes of the early Capaldi run. <laughs> oh, he's the guy who wrote that. No, actually, that guy wasn't, was a jackass. Sorry, it wasn't wasn't Capaldi. It was Matt Smith. Yeah, um, I, I know. My bad. I guess I got taken away for a second. But no, um, dinosaurs on the spaceship. Okay. Um, on the on the one hand, we introduced Rory's dad. Yay! On the other hand, dinosaurs on a spaceship. On the other hand, somebody heard, "I want these motherfucking snakes," yeah. <laughs> and said, "Okay, <laughs> now can I geek that up even more?" So i I think I think it's best to err right now on the side of of being hopeful. You know, the the one big thing I haven't mentioned, he was the the creator and showrunner for Broadchurch, and I don't think anybody. Uh, with a pulse can say that that show wasn't like awesome. Well, we just saw the first 
uh, first season. The yeah. second season has been on the TiVo, uh, and we really need to... But it's still fairly critically acclaimed and quite strong, to my understanding. Yeah. So I I think if we if we look at Broadchurch, there's a lot to be hopeful about, although I don't want a really depressing season of Doctor Who. Yeah, but... That if, was unrelentingly dismal and depressing, Broadchurch. True, but if you look at the Americanized version, Grace Point... He was wrong and you knew it! <laughs> yeah. We watched it. Uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> just, just to watch the tenth Doctor try and do an American accent for a while. <laughs> Jesus, if I if I stuff my accent as far as I can in the back of my throat, maybe nobody will notice it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least he got it out of the way before he got to be Kilgrave. <laughs> That's true, but uh, Kilgrave he didn't try to be American. Just, no. Yep. So, <laughs> um. So I, I'm again. I'm going to err on the side of being hopeful until I have some reason to not feel hopeful. Okay, it's a, I've got no reason to feel one way or the other. It's <laughs> depending on your point of view, uh, Moffat. <laughs> what point of view? Jesus Christ! The the title of our 2014 <laughs> Crises Awards was Moffat. <laughs> Get him out of the way. Clearly, he's divisive enough. Let's uh, let's move on to to other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got Moffat. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Wish it occurred to me to try to pull that sound effect out, but That's all right. So I, I think it'll be a good thing. Um but you know we'll we'll see. All right. All right, so <laughs> the the other thing, and I hesitate to call it comics news, because it's not comics fucking anything yet. <laughs> you know, it's rumors and hype. Oh that, no, not rumors and hype. That's really oh I know, it's in comics news. Ooh. That's that's the only thing that's driven comics news since somebody said, Hey, why don't we set up a network of computers that can talk to each other? So That's how you get Skynet. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> that's how you get bleeding cool. Ah. No, bleeding cool. I, I like bleeding cool. I do. It's it's a fun site, but you sort of have to take whatever comes out of bleeding cool with a, a grain of salt. Yes. Um they report a lot of news. They also report a lot of rumors that wind up being bullshit. A certain percentage of their stories wind up being updated with a big, whoops, uh, Marvel Comics completely denied the Spider-Man buggery story. <laughs> and uh, Joe Quesada called for our heads. And Ike Perlmutter's in the lobby. He's waving his little nickel-plated 38 around, screaming for balls. He just, he wants balls, goddammit. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> so it's, with Bleeding Cool, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. But last week... They ran a couple of stories that DC was getting ready to relaunch all of their books, or at least the books that aren't going to be canceled or haven't been canceled or whatever, um, with new uh, first issues in June. So they're ending all of these at issue 52 is the other. That's the rumor. Yeah. Um, yes. Coincidentally, that would be perfectly in time with, with number 52. Um, and supposedly, again, according to Bleeding Cool... The entire line of comics is going to fall into line with the new DC Films movie properties and with the DCW TV shows. And I will keep calling it DCW until somebody pays me. <laughs> I, 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 it's too perfect, and I'm going to stick with it. All right. But yes. The, you run with that. The DC shows on CW, DCW shows. So, um, And supposedly a few of the bigger titles like Batman are going to go biweekly, at least for a while. So, yes, it's a thing from... Bleeding cool. They had similar stories maybe a month or two months ago and nothing happened. And a lot of times, you know, these things pop up mm -hmm. and nobody seems to give a shit and they sort of go away and people scream at them, except certain things have sort of come up after this 
story got uh, put on Bleeding Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Snyder uh, supposedly has confirmed and kind of confirmed-ish, but it's not 100% uh, that he's leaving Batman after 51. And the rumor, again, according to Bleeding Cool, is that he's moving to Detective Comics. And supposedly the reason is he doesn't want to do a bi-weekly book. Okay. He wants to do just monthly. He wants to stay with the Batman character. But This he is after like a year or two of doing weeklies with the Eternal stuff. <laughs> yeah, but again, he wasn't... Uh, he and uh, James Tinian, uh, they were not uh, primary. They did stories, okay. and they would come in on the scripting, you know, the where the rubber hits the road, somebody has to write the words on the page. Ah. But, yeah, it would be him and then Tinian. They'd bring in other people. So, But it's also, the, the again, the rumor. This is all fucking rumor. Yeah. That's the problem when you get into stories at this level. And you don't know what's true or not, but the rumor is, yeah, they're burning through creators at a pretty rapid clip. So. Well. <laughs> But, yeah, it's a, on his Twitter feed yesterday, uh, Snyder, he didn't confirm the de- detective part of things. And really, he didn't confirm fucking anything. He didn't even really confirm he's leaving Batman. That's the thing about all this bullshit. Uh, he confirmed that he and Greg Capullo have two more issues together, 50 and 51, yep. which we already knew right. just based on the solicits. Um, the solicits go up to April. Conveniently, as all this is going on, <laughs> April would be issue 51. Right. So that's as far as we have solicits for. Uh, he's confirmed that he's going to be working on something with Capullo in the next six months, but he didn't say what it was. Nowhere did he say in this, with any confirmation, at least at the time we're doing this show, that he's leaving Batman. So, yeah, and the DC solicits for April, they were released last week, so DC's got like three weeks to announce whatever they're doing with issue 52, let alone beyond, Yeah, for original books you know, like Batman. So that part of it... Yeah, Bleeding Cool said a thing, and because of that, Snyder said some stuff, none of which specifically confirmed what Bleeding Cool said, but it sort of falls into line. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, 48 came out this week, Mm -hmm. and it's such a big to-do, finally Bruce Wayne remembers who he is, and I read the issue, and I... I, Oh, God, that last page. Yeah. the, (laughs) The last page of that book... Bruce Wayne kicking the door in, Alfred in tears, knowing what's coming. Yeah. And spoilers, <laughs> Bruce says, bring me to my cave. It's like, oh. And it, it's a really good issue, but also I feel like with some of Summer's, uh, sorry, Snyder's writing between, um, you know, what's been going on that led up to the death of Bruce Wayne, even though it wasn't really the death of Bruce Wayne. Right. And, and now this sort of, you know, bat bunny arc where Bruce Wayne supposedly doesn't know who he is. And in this issue, we have indications that Joker is also in a similar sort of denial about who he is, but may also know who Bruce is and kind of hopes that Bruce doesn't come back because then he has to go back to being the Joker and he kind of likes being normal and is slightly suicidal over it. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, we're only going to talk about one book at the end of the show. I should have I should have brought this one up. So we'll talk about it now a little bit. Um, it, it's it's a heart wrenching book, but I honestly he's just gone so out there with a lot of these storylines. How do you how do you even? <laughs> do anything other than set a hard reset (laughs) at the end of his run. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about whether there's a hard reset going on here, (laughs) uh, or at least speculate a little bit, because I don't want to go too far into this, because again, it's all fucking rumor. 
Yeah. It's rumor and hype and questions and no confirmations. We don't really know what's going to be happening with DC. But, but yeah, I mean, with everything that Snyder's done with this, you know, to, to get it to this point where he's almost, he is basically in his run of Batman gone from here is an alternate origin, literally mm-hmm. with zero year to I've completely changed your understanding about where you fall within the history of Gotham with Court of the Owls to losing the Batman family with death of the family to he's torn everything down. He absolutely <laughs> has torn everything down for a legitimate rebirth yeah. of the Batman. So if you're going to do something with it at issue 52, he set it up perfectly. But also, yeah, he's been the driving force behind this character since September 2011. But before that, he was on Detective Comics. Right. Just writing the Black Mirror with Jock on art, just doing goddamn really good fucking Batman stories. If any of this is true, that he's stepping away from Batman, which, again, he hasn't really confirmed yet. Right. Based on what I've been able to find at the time of this episode, and there may be stuff out there that I couldn't find, because I got really drunk last night, and I had to take a long nap today to be able to function, (laughs) so I didn't do quite as much prep as maybe I should have, and maybe it means I'm not a good fucking radio journalist, but I never said I was anything but a drunk with a microphone in a basement. Honey, you're a good daddy to the podcast. It's okay. I do the best I can, goddammit. We love you. You try really hard. I try really hard, but you know what this show is? For $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. That's all we've got, but... Anyway, I've completely lost the thread now, but yeah, it's at the end of everything. If this is the end of everything, he may just be saying, you know what? I'm tired of driving this story. And he has really gone out of his way as DC has tried to do events since the new 52 to say, you know, I don't think I want any part of that. I still maintain zero year was Snyder's way because he'd made some intimations. He was going to do a penguin story before Mm. that. I still think he said, oh, wait a minute, uh, Morrison's going to kill uh, Damien and all the Batman titles have to deal with Damien being da- – I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that, so I'm going to do a year-long story <laughs> where Damien's fucking nowhere to be found. I'm going back to the past. <laughs> yeah. So he may have just decided after four or five years, you know what? I just want to do good Batman stories. And he writes good Batman stories. Great. Do your one a month over there. If this is, if any of this is even fucking true, right? Which we don't fucking know at this point, right? I just he he is he has gone so like to the wall, you know, swung from the rafters with these stories, and again for a purpose, for um, a purpose. Yeah, in issue forty eight, the discussion between Bruce Wayne and this guy who at least appears to be the Joker, where the Joker keeps dropping hints of, please don't come back. I, I I have this life, and I, I'm not sure if I want to continue with it, but I, I've I've built something, and the intimation is if you come back, I have to. I have no choice. This is all in your hands. Don't fucking do this to me. All buried under a pleasantish, weird conversation yeah. with a guy. But uh, yeah, it was a really good issue. He has not... Some of his arcs, there have been times where I feel like he's lost the thread. The, the the whole of Endgame with the intimations of, yep. you know, oh, the Joker is this immortal entity that at the, at the last minute he walked back and said, no, it was just psych, it was the Joker fucking with you. And there, there have been zero year did not really grab me all that much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I grew up when I was 16 years old 
Frank Miller came out with year one. Yeah, you can't. It's it's hard to. Yeah, the story, <laughs> the writer, the time, and my age. That's Batman's origin set in stone. Right. I'm getting old. <laughs> and part of that is no, no, you, no. You're a perpetual adolescent. We talked about this. That's true. Who's praying he makes it to episode nine of Star Wars? But, <laughs> but it's a, that's part of it. Is nope. This is my music slash movie slash right. TV slash Batman, and I try to fight against that. And the minute I say "you damn kids" without a sense of irony is the last time anybody fucking hears from me. <laughs> but that's the reality. Yeah. So it's a, I tried to get into zero year, but it was it, it was I don't want to say it was a bridge too far. It was too big. You know, the idea of a Batman origin story that descends Gotham into chaos that even the United States National Guard can't, can't save you yeah. from. <laughs> but a Batman who's not even good at being Batman yet, he's the guy. Uh, I don't know. I was willing to put up with it in The Dark Knight Rises. Right. You know, okay, he's been Batman for a while. And, but, you know. but in general, on an issue-by-issue basis, there's hard to point at anything in a particular issue and say, this is bad. You shouldn't have done this. Right. You know, the the Joker intim- intimations of being immortal, notwithstanding. Oh, that that drove me nuts. I, I was like, oh, if this is where he's going, this is it. I finally had it. And then like, you know, no, 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 no. It, it was great. It, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Even while that was going on, Batman was at the top of my stack to read every week. Yeah. Batman, I think, was the second issue I read this week. Yep. So It was the first issue I read this week. So yeah, it, that's because I put it in your face. I said, <laughs> look at this final page. Now read this. Do it now. I could have said, in a minute. no i kicked the bathroom door down (laughs) because that's the kind of relationship we have (laughs) i'm very sick (laughs) please help me (laughs) but so yeah if if he's decided if any of this is true that you know what i don't want to be the driving force behind the character but i want to write kick-ass four to six issue batman stories that advance the character but don't drive them hey great more power to him but again none of this has been confirmed Nothing's been confirmed. All we have is a tweet from Dan DiDio with a blue curtain that says rebirth and nothing else. Exactly. So after Bleeding Cool posted their story late in the day on Friday, which means nothing has happened all weekend since, because that's even with the internet, that's not the way the public relations news cycle (laughs) works. Uh, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee, so both publishers of DC, uh, posted on Twitter a big picture of a set of curtains with the word rebirth superimposed over them. Right. So everybody is screaming, this means another DC reboot. They're getting rid of the new 52. They're doing this thing. They're doing that thing. Let's take a step back. Because I tried to do research on this before my <laughs> drunken nap. <laughs> if you do a Google News search on DC Rebirth, literally every story I could find refers back to the fucking bleeding cool stories, which are based on rumors. Right. There is nothing concrete anywhere about what rebirth across blue curtains means other than these bleeding cool stories and the picture that the deal and Lee tweeted. That's it. Yeah. That's all we got at this point. Now, my original theory, which part of me wants to believe is still true, <laughs> is that considering the Warner Brothers short, not, not short, but half hour special they did before, what was it before the Flash uh, midseason mm-hmm. premiere or Arrow? Arrow, I think. Yeah. Uh, but they did a thing. It was Jeff Johns and Kevin Smith uh, hyping up what is now DC Films yep. and everything that's going to happen with Batman versus Superman and uh, showing the first footage from Wonder Woman and debuting the new trailer for Suicide Squad. One of the things that Jeff Johns said was Green Lantern is going to be a part of the Justice League. So the first thing I thought 
before I'd really gone down the rabbit hole of bleeding cool stories, because I saw on Twitter that DiDio posted, oh, Rebirth in front of the... My first thought was, he's just saying there's going to be another Green Lantern movie. Because, <laughs> I mean, Rebirth was the title for Jeff Johns bringing back Hal Jordan. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, if you're going to do something with Green Lantern after the movie and how it tanked, then fine, it's Green Lantern Rebirth. We're showing that... That we're actually, there are concrete plans to do a movie. That was my first thought. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's wrong. Part of me desperately wants to believe that DiDio saw all these rumor stories coming out and said, you know what, if we do the Rebirth thing after that, it'll really fuck with Bleeding Cool. Let's fuck with Rich. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I don't mean to, I come not to bury Bleeding Cool, but to praise it. I read it every day. I take everything I see there with a grain of salt, but... Uh, a lot of the stuff you see there winds up being true. Yeah. It's like a distant early warning systems for weird comics. <laughs> that, that's the first place I heard before Watchmen. Before what? <laughs> what, what do I need to be afraid of now? <laughs> <laughs> what, do I mean? what do I need to be worried about today? Huh? So I like Bleeding Cool, but I also recognize it for what it is. I, I like beer, and that's why I'm worried I'm not going to make it to episode nine. I know what I'm putting in my body. I understand it. <laughs> Bacon won't make me the high jump champion, but I know what it is. So I'm okay with it. When 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 we're, when are we doing high, the high jump? I'm I'm very confused. I don't know. We're getting about four more of these fine Berkshire Brewing <laughs> Steel Rail ales, but they're not going to pay you for saying their their name. <laughs> oh, they should. They really should. If well, I get, if I can get a brewer to be our first official sponsor, <sighs> then we're doing this show right. <laughs> <laughs> so you also had this thought around um, Titans Hunt and how this might play into Rebirth. It's it's possible because uh, Titans Hunt. It, it's not a book I've been following, but I did uh, pick it up this it's week. Dan Abnett, is yes. The writer. Um, and reading it, <laughs> it, on one hand, it was pure evidence that yep, everything Bleeding Cool is saying is right and true, and this is what's going to happen. Uh, on the other hand, it was also this is what Convergence was supposed to be and was supposed to give us. Mm. Uh, Titans Hunt, and, and there's going to be spoilers, spoilers in it, although I've not read the first three issues. I'm on, this is issue four, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm coming in in media res, uh, just sort of picking up stuff. But it's it's well enough written I was able to sort of get a sense of what's going on. It's old Teen Titans. And when I say old, it's Wonder Girl, but it's also uh, Cave Boy, yeah, who I only vaguely remember <laughs> from like original Teen Titans issues. Like not even new Teen Titans, but original Teen Titans issues when I was like five and six years old. Yeah. Um, being drawn together with vague by some force uh, or person, but they're having vague memories that they should know each other. Right. And they, they should have some kind of working relationship. So, I mean, number one, to have Donna Troy just back in Wonder Girl costumes, even as a flashback. It, it gave me a happy. Yeah, considering everything that uh, with the new 52 of uh, Donna Troy, we'll get to it. Next question. Yeah. That Didia would do at every convention between <laughs> 2011 and, as far as I know, yesterday, if he was at a convention. <laughs> but, so yeah, to, to see all that going on, but also the implication that, yes, there is DC history outside of the new 52. There's DC history post-crisis and crisis... So part of that all points to you know, the idea of if Rebirth is some kind of re reboot or reversion to pre-52 continuity. Because uh, there's, there's one double-page uh, double splash early on, I think, with most of the original Teen Titans and Speedy saying, everything's worse than it was before. <laughs> 
as sort of, and I took that as, okay, that could be a nod. It could be a nod. But at the same time, that's what Convergence was supposed to get us. The big key coming out of Convergence is all those histories. <laughs> I just flashed to 2010. All these worlds are yours, except Europa. <laughs> Me and the five people have seen 2010 just got that joke. But no, all these uh, timelines and histories, these are all available. I mean, between, between that and Multiversity from Grant Morrison, it's all these worlds that we can do stories in. And all right, why not do one? And that also ties in if the rumors are correct and they are using Rebirth as an opportunity to um, calibrate the comic books with what's happening in the DCEU, there's an outtake from that. Kevin Smith, Jeff Johns special that didn't make it to air that Smith talked about on his podcast where he said he actually asked Jeff Johns, uh, given that the multiverse is a thing, could that mean that there would be crossovers between the media, uh, the movie characters and the television characters? Because there was quite the kerfuffle when people were pissed that Ezra Miller was cast as Flash over Grant Gustin. And Johns didn't give anything away, but just kind of went, ah. <laughs> I wouldn't put anything past anybody. I mean, you've got kind of a multiverse going on on TV now. There's the DC. There's an Earth 1 and an Earth 2. Yeah, well, there's... (laughs) Okay, within the DCW shows, again, copyright crimes, not even the midlines, the DCW shows, yeah, there's Earth 1 and Earth 2, but there's also the Greg Berlanti-run Supergirl. Yep. Uh, on, was it CBS? CBS. The TiVo gets it and I watch it. And there's know. Gotham, which is its own sort of Earth, even though there's been a crossover between, and, and, and Constantine. And there's been the crossover from Constantine already onto the, uh, to Green to, Arrow. Yeah. To so, Arrow. So there, yeah, there's already a multiverse kind of going on there. So but if they, if they are allowing for, you know, even the hope of a crossover between the movie and TV properties, if they're, what they're saying with something like Titan's Hunt is, all worlds are now available. All storylines are viable. Go nuts, kids. Yeah, but they said that with Convergence. We don't need a specific But if now they're thing. actually doing it. Well, <laughs> okay, fine. If they want to use this as sort of the, okay, here's the impetus. Here's the trigger. Here's the here's the flare up in the air. Here's here's Deathstroke landing on the island. Here's, oh, please let it be old again. I'm so tired. Uh, let's, here's, op- here's opening up the arc. It's whatever. It's uh, then fine. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. But Convergence was supposed to do that. Convergence and multi- Multiversity were supposed to make all these worlds open. And I don't disagree. It's just it clearly didn't happen. No. <laughs> Whether they were supposed to be open and yet separate, and this is supposed to be an, an Earth. An Elseworlds or a... Yeah, an, an Earth... Well, no, an Earth-1 story where, yep, we're merging mm. post-crisis, pre-52 continuity into a new 52 universe. That's kind of different. Yeah. You know, whether that is sort of a shot across the bow of some kind of reboot. And all right, let's go back to what rebirth <laughs> let's go back to what rebirth could mean for the comics. Right. Um you know, Rebirth it was a subtitle that Jeff Johns used for his two mini series to bring Hal Jordan back as Green Lantern and Barry Allen back as the Flash. So it's a word that has it's charged. Some, it's a charged word for the DC universe. Yeah, it's taking something from the past and at least introducing it into modern DC comics. But again, that's what I thought Convergence was supposed to do, but fine. If they're saying it's not just all these universes are open for stories, it's let's start putting them together. That would be kind of, that would be something different. Yeah. Um, it could also mean, 
you know what? Fuck it. We're dynamiting the new 52. <laughs> Uh, four and a half years, five years almost. Uh, yeah, okay, this is working, <laughs> which a lot of people have argued it's not working. Right. I'm not going to argue that it's not working. I will say I'm reading far fewer DC comics almost five years into the new 52 than I did before. Yeah, I, I would say that that holds true for me as well. Uh, but there are still concepts in the new 52 that I would not trade. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of Scott Snyder's work on Batman, the idea of the green and the red, uh, you know, and yeah, <laughs> I don't think they can dynamite the new 52. I don't think they could possibly do it because regardless of the concepts that I like, are you going to tell Scott Snyder he spent the last four and a half years writing stuff that doesn't matter? <laughs> How big a check do you have to write that guy? It's like, fine, we'll let you, we'll let you write the secondary Batman title because you don't want to <laughs> do the workload that that we're demanding, he said about a rumor he saw on Bleeding Cool that just because everybody wrote about it doesn't mean it's fucking true. But, but yeah, you want to tell that guy, yeah, these stories that you bled over, uh, they yeah. don't matter. You know, that that would be shitty. Half of the not DC, unprecedented, but shitty. Yeah, half of the DCW TV shows are based on post crisis, right? Not post crisis, uh, post post fifty two continuity. Yeah. So and and yeah, the, and they're not all bad. There's stuff there I wish they didn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> would I still prefer Wally West to be the goddamn Flash? Yes, I fucking would. He's he's gonna show up on on the Flash on the television show. He he has shown up. Yeah, he just I doesn't have powers yet. Yeah, it, I know, and and I'm glad he's back in the DC universe. And but it's the whole concept of. Legacy, which has always been part of DC Comics. Yeah. You know, that was a delivery on the promise. Now, <laughs> that's a sad thing when I say delivery on the promise. The promise really came through Wally West. Nobody moved from sidekick to main hero until Crisis. True. The minute Crisis happened, oh, now this is the promise of DC. Well, no. <laughs> All DC was doing with Crisis was saying, we need one continuity in one place so we can do comics like Marvel does. So we can have a world that's, it's not outside your window because there's no Gotham City, but it's, <laughs> it's just one world and one set of stories. It's, I still, part of me believe, as much as I love Crisis and I love post-Crisis DC, if I got to take a step back, it's, a, uh, that was, that was Marv Wolfman convincing Jeanette Kahn, you know what, if you do this, we can do Marvel sales because yeah. it's a Marvel type universe. But at the same time, it worked. I love post-crisis for years and years and years. And I don't like New 52 as much. But there's stuff there I don't want to get rid of. All right. And that's valid. It's just, it seems weird that they're finding an excuse to to blow up and start over. Both Marvel and DC blow up and start over. Like, it feels like yearly at this point. (laughs) I think half of the problem is they're daring each other. Yeah. They're like two cousins who see each other once a year. It's like, oh, you know what I did last year? (laughs) Oh, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to go do that right now. And then I'm gonna do this. Yeah, it's they just push you. The I secret wars. I guarantee came from the new Fifty Two. Yep. And <laughs> and then yeah, DC probably said, "Oh Jesus, the sales are down after New Fifty Two after a few years." And wait a minute, Marvel just did Secret Wars. Well, shit, their sales are up. Let's do, Let's do convergence. <laughs> yeah, well, not even convergence. Let's do. If this rebirth thing is yeah. even true, let's face it, Convergence came out of the, 
Convergence was just supposed to be two months of, can we move our office in peace? <laughs> Which I get. At the time, I kind of made fun of it. But when we moved, and we moved across town. That's true. And we couldn't do a show for a month. Yeah. So I get it. But that's all it was supposed to be. It wasn't until Secret Wars started to ramp up. They said, all right, let's uh, do this thing. And it's, you know, you can say, well, what about multiversity? Multiversity was supposed to be out like three or four years ago. <laughs> it was just happenstance. Great. We'll tie the things together and, yeah, do all these other stories. And then nobody did. Yeah. Or there wasn't enough time to do them before somebody got itchy and said, uh, fuck it. We'll do Rebirth. Assuming Rebirth is anything, which we don't know yet. We don't know yet. So the other rumor that Bleeding Cool is coming out with is that part of this is to make the DC comics more like the multimedia properties. That's the movies. The DCW. And I God, I hope that doesn't happen. Well, I think it already kind of is happening in certain places. I mean, certainly the Green Arrow book. Because Arrow yeah. came out, if I remember right, the Arrow TV show came out before New 52 broke. Yes. And I think they used that as an excuse to make Green Arrow more Arrow-like. Right. They did. Um and that's interesting too, insofar as you know, they, they keep launching new TV shows. Although they they seem to have given us a moratorium now with Legends of Tomorrow, <laughs> there aren't supposed to be any other shows coming out after that that are in development. Uh, Titans was spiked at TNT. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, the, from what I've heard, it was just that it was a combination. <laughs> And it's something to be concerned about, but a combination of, yeah, the script wasn't quite up to snuff and TNT saying, you know, there's a lot of superhero shit out there. <laughs> That's part of why I don't want to see the comics become beholden to the multimedia properties. But I feel like it's a thing that's already happening. I, I think I'm seeing it more in the on Marvel's side at the moment, but I can see it begin to creep into the DC pieces. Oh, it's been going on with Marvel since Iron Man. <laughs> I mean, Pepper Potts hadn't been in an Iron Man comic since God knows when until the movie came out. Right. But, I mean, with the move to the West Coast for DC and, you know, that gets them squarely closer to the entertainment offices for, for the media properties. Oh, absolutely. And, it, and I'm sure Warner Brothers corporate is slavering and drooling yeah. over the idea of Marvel Studios money. So, you know, especially if you're getting to the point where you're about to release on the DCEU side something that's supposed to be as big a project as uh, Donna Justice, right? You're you're insane not to start having your your Justice League book begin to look like the characters that are going to be advertising it in a giant movie. Part of me agrees because part of me has complained for years that comic companies do nothing to take advantage of these big multimedia properties to bring new readers in. And the example that I always give is that when The Dark Knight was the biggest movie in America and so well regarded, it was people were screaming for it to be the first best picture nominated superhero comic book movie in DC Comics. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce Wayne was fucking dead. Thanks to Grant Morrison and Final Crisis. Yeah. So if you went into a comic store, you're like, well, shit, Batman's dead? What the? Right. I, and I've always said, yeah, you're, you're losing chances to bring new readers in. But the fact of the matter is the superhero movie revolution has been going on at least since 2008, arguably since 2002 with Spider-Man. Right. Arguably since 2000 with X-Men. 
and the numbers for comic book sales have not gone up. No. People going to see these movies are not going to comic stores in any appreciable numbers to pick up comic books with the exception of people who watch The Walking Dead. Right. And that's its own animal because it's a direct adaptation of a single story. So you can pick up the comic book and see what you've seen in the movie. It's almost like people going to get movie novelizations back in the 80s. I wonder how much of this is um, to try and get kids to come in and buy more comic books. Like the the youth market. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it's never worked. No, I know, but but they keep doing it. I mean, how close are we to Captain America Civil War dropping? And suddenly from Marvel, they've announced that Steve Rogers is getting his youth and vitality back and he will be Captain America again. <laughs> well, that's always happened. Yeah. Usually it happens X months after the movie comes out. Yeah. Because, yeah, when... uh. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't it when Captain America came out? Wasn't he dead too? I think so, yeah. So, <laughs> comics have always done that. But now there's going to be two Captain America titles. There's going to be one that follows Steve Rogers, and there's going to be one that follows um, Sam Wilson. Good. America's a big fucking place. I Yeah, no. But they're, they're apparently going to be two very different sorts of stories. and uh, They should be. Yeah. It's a, I would like, I'd like to see the Steve Rogers Captain America go in more of a... And I'm sorry about this remender. More of a, a, a David Brubaker, a David Brubaker, Ed Brubaker, <laughs> uh, spy story. I, I think he, this is getting more into um, corrupt government story. If I if I read correctly, that's fine. But make it more realistic, uh, reality based. You know, I get what Rick Remender was doing when he took over Captain America mm-hmm. and trying to make it more science fiction based because Jack Kirby had a well regarded. 1970s resurgence on Captain America and the Falcon. Yeah. With much more science fiction based and Zola. And yep. the, the problem is that never grabbed me as a kid. <laughs> uh, whereas Captain America, the Mark Gruenwald's Captain America uh, did. So yeah, it's give me more realistic Captain America. You want to do a science fiction Captain America? Uh, great. Do that shit with Sam Wilson. I'm not saying there's no merit to it. Yeah, I like them, but not as much. Yeah. But this gives me a chance to have them both. <laughs> so give me one of them in a more reality-based. I don't really care which, actually. <laughs> but yeah, they got to both be captain. Because if you promote Steve Rogers, that's just not... that's That looks bad. That <laughs> looks does. bad. It does. It looks awful. But uh, yeah, and they also... Not only they did that, but uh, they announced the Civil War sequel mm-hmm. is underway. They sort of leaked... To, what was it? The New York Post? They yeah. let him into... <laughs> they let him the, into a Marvel retreat uh, where they talked about and it was the most cynical goddamn that Marvel stop doing this shit. It was the most cynical thing I've read in a long time. It was almost literally reduced to who do we kill? Who do we kill in this event? Yeah. It's like for Christ's sake, this is why nobody gives a shit if somebody gets killed. Right. I've said it a million times. Fear itself is the worst example of it. <laughs> when Captain America got killed and Thor got killed, and by the final epilogue issue of course they were back to life it meant nothing it meant nothing even within the scope of the fucking miniseries are you okay i'm not okay. All right. <laughs> berkshire brewing company steel rail <laughs> how are we doing on time that's a plug for nothing uh i don't know hold on i gotta switch contexts here oh we're at an hour 10 um all right <laughs> Uh, let me just do one last thing on this. Uh, assuming that this rumor is true, 
And again, that's a big fucking assumption. Yeah. Uh, and assuming that they are part of why DC is doing this is to make the movies or make the comics more movie like. The biggest problem with that becomes the comics are going to rely on the quality and popularity of the movies instead of the opposite, which is the way it always has been. And that's very dangerous for comics. Yes. Remember what happened after the first Batman movie in 1989? We had years of comics that temporarily gained in popularity. Mm -hmm. Now, part of that was there was still a small amount of newsstand business, but part of it was also speculation. Mm -hmm. Now you have the death of Superman and that kind of shit. Uh, But part of that also gives you bigger event stories to keep people in and variant covers. By 1996, the bottom dropped out of comic book movies. Thank you, Spawn and Batman and Robin. (laughs) That was also the same year Marvel filed for fucking bankruptcy. Right. So... But the thing that saved Marvel and DC after the bottom fell out of comics, and you can argue the bottom never fucking hit when the biggest comics in the world sell 100,000 copies as opposed to, Jesus, what did X-Men 1 sell? Six fucking million? Yeah. But you can argue it never came back. But what saved them was, since they weren't beholden to anything, you could do weird shit. Like say, all right, fuck it. Let's make that artist editor-in-chief. And let's hire this indie crime comics guy to do something called Jessica Jones. There's going to be some sense of of I've got nothing to lose in order to to really give the stories an edge and and give everybody sort of that laser focus that says we gotta we gotta make this work. You know, you, thinking back to the previous show where we talked about the Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four happened because potentially uh, they were they were movers walking furniture out of the Marvel offices. Yeah. it's like all right, fuck it, it's, we're done anyway. Let's just put let's out this last book. Do this and. Th- Comics in the early 2000s, that was the feel. It was, fuck it, we'll throw shit at the wall, whatever. Yeah, there was a certain amount of failed, you know, I still remember Joe Quesada, almost the hill he wanted to die on, was literally in the public prints begging Todd McFarlane to come back and do Spider-Man Spawn crossovers. Like, that's all Joe could think of to save the fucking company was Spider-Man Spawn in 2000. That's the kind of thing that makes me want to drive a microphone into my head. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) I'm not gonna. There's a windscreen in the way. It wouldn't make the satisfying thunking noise. Exactly. It would more be a wet flap. (laughs) Not even. It'd be like a brushing noise and (laughs) not sure what's that. Did she put it down her pants? What what just happened there? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus God. (laughs) Oh, Why is it so scratchy? We've gone too far. <laughs> we've gone too far again. But uh, <laughs> but yet, absent that, yeah, it was Quesada and Dan DiDio was a fucking TV guy who liked comics. He didn't know what he was in for. <laughs> but yeah, all right, fuck it. Uh, sure, we'll uh, let's. <laughs> Jim Lee's gonna lose his company. Let's see if he'll do a year on Batman to get people interested in the title again. Unfortunately, we'll get Jeff Loeb to write it, so it'll be a terrible story, but it's going to be beautiful to look at, even thunk. years later. <laughs> thunk, thunk, thunk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, comics could save themselves when the movies, movies fell out because they were never beholden to what happened in the movies and on TV. And if you're going to reverse it, <laughs> the risk you run is comic fans are going to say, well, I'm already seeing this shit over here. Why am I spending $4 for a 20-page magazine? Yeah, I think the the thrill for us as the readers is, all right, let's go see how you're interpreting it in the uh, in the movie or in the TV show. Less 
I'd be less excited about it if it's just like, oh, I'm going to read this next week in the comics, <laughs> this thing that you've put on the screen. Yeah. And it's it's not just DC that's potentially dealing with this. The first thing Kevin Feige did when he gained his independence from Ike Perlmutter was fire the committee. Yeah. The, the, the Marvel story committee that had Joe Quesada and Brian Michael Bendis on it. Right. That helped steer the Marvel movies. So really, Civil War and maybe Doctor Strange are going to be the last movies that comics people help drive. So if the pressure comes in the other direction now that there is no connection whatsoever between Marvel Studios and Marvel Comics, you know, if Marvel Studios starts to fuck up, <laughs> and if you're not talking to comics people who are like, no, look at these things that we did that worked. <laughs> Again, hi, Batman and Robin. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you know what? You know, as much as I am enjoying the various things that are out there right now, because there is, it's it's a fucking feast <laughs> for geeks. Oh, totally. All good things come to an end, and and if it's because of of hubris or whatever, right, it does, and then everybody gets a chance to reset and start over. Yeah, it's uh, who knows. Uh, America could say, as of the last month, it's like uh, superheroes. No, I'm a Star Wars fan now. Like <laughs> <laughs> Civil War could tank. <laughs> that could be the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we still have um, quite the the hunger as as an audience for these properties on TV and in the movies. But eventually, there's going to be a certain amount of saturation, and people are going to be like, "Hmm, I wonder what it would be like to watch a bunch of strangers live live together in a house uh, with with hidden cameras and <laughs> <laughs> there's like one dick roommate." <laughs> You just want to suck the joy out of everything. Please stop that. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> ah, the suit say, but that's cheaper to produce too. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is all rumor, and I don't want to beat this to death. We've talked about this for twenty-five minutes, half an hour for for a thing that is not even a thing. It's a rumor and a picture. So. <laughs> If DC announces what they're going to do, we will revisit this, obviously, and we'll talk about it in more detail and what we think it means. But yeah, right now we're going, oh, what if it's a reboot? What if it is a return to poster? What if it is just whoring for the TV audience? Yeah. And, uh, we, we can't even talk about it. So we don't know. But it's fun to talk about anyway, so we talked about it because, uh, <laughs> uh, again, Berkshire Brewery's Steel Rail. <laughs> So yeah, we'll we'll come back to it when we have an actual sense of what rebirth is, and please God, let it just be a new Green Lantern movie. I'll laugh my ass off. <laughs> All right, we are at uh, an hour seventeen. Goodness, do we, do we want to talk about uh, Legends of Tomorrow? Do Why don't we, want... we do it briefly, just because it was enjoyable? Okay. Speaking of things that bleed over into television properties, <laughs> or do I hate to do that. Do this discussion on the air. Do we want to hold it until next week where we've got two episodes to talk about? Well, and also X-Files. Oh, X-Files is next week? X-Files is happening tonight, so presumably we will be discussing it next week. Okay. So I think you... it's happening tonight. I drink. <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't know. I, f I forget that the TiVo's going to get it either way. You know what? Why don't, why don't we uh, hold it for next week just so that that way we have a chance to... My initial impressions are it was quite enjoyable. On the other hand, there is a, a fair amount of it that we can say... Huh, how about that stunt casting of Arthur Darvel, who played Rory on Doctor Who as a time traveler? <laughs> Which was glorious, and he's chewing the scenery like somebody made it out of some kind of English candy. Like a jelly baby. What's an English candy? Jelly baby. Spotted dick. 
No, he's chewing the scenery like spotted dick. You just wanted to make a dick joke, and that's fine. (laughs) But all right, the fans, the Doctor Who fans, know what I just talked about. So okay, jelly babies, spotted dick. You just sort of suck the joy out of everything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a nasty piece of work. Ask anybody. (laughs) All right, so. And, and and the other reason we should probably hold it until next week, and this is purely an inside baseball thing for uh, podcast fans. <laughs> Are there fans of the medium as opposed to uh, regular shows? I don't know. Is that like, you know, I really like that TV. TV's pretty good. <laughs> I think I'm going to watch some of it. Oh, what do you like, TV? That, that's like a Homer Simpson. He's a he's a fan of the TV. The flicker box keeps me from touching myself. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, 100 episodes everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but it's no, it's kind of inside baseball, but we have a bandwidth cap on That's right. uh on the the number of megabytes we can upload per month and through uh, our current service provider. Yes, and January is a 5 Sunday month, so uh, we probably should keep the show a little bit truncated. Okay. So yeah, normally we talk about a, a couple of comic book issues. We thought this show would be longer. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, we talked a little bit about Batman 48. So I'll and, put in and, the... and, and Titan's Hunt. We and Titan, about. Titan's Hunt. I'll, I'll put in the show notes the, <laughs> the things we talked about. <laughs> yes. Make it look like, like a show I didn't just booze through. <laughs> do we have time to talk about I, I Hate Fairyland? We absolutely do. I would like to talk about I Hate Fairyland. Yeah, so I Hate Fairyland, written and drawn by Scotty... Uh, Scotty Young. Scotty Young, thank you. With John Francois Bellou. Bellou? I, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> Racist? No, I'm just <laughs> tired and drunk. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. Bellou. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's an image book. <laughs> Yeah, and this is one I picked up the first issue, which at this point would have been about four months ago. Yeah, uh, and I picked it up on a whim. I like Scotty Young's art. I don't. I'm not sure how much of his writing I'd read, but yeah, I like the art, so I grabbed it. And this is just before we moved the home office, right? So I read it, and remember thinking, yeah, oh, we should talk about this, but we're not doing a show this week because the studio is in a box, <laughs> and I'm drunk. So. But I told you about it, but I was never able to find the issue again. We've got piles of comics that I still need to go through and catalog and figure out where they where they go. I've been able to find it. So this week I said, uh, and I said, yeah, I got to remember to get it. And this week, yeah, the fourth issue came out. So I grabbed that and the third issue, which I had missed uh, when it first came out last month. So this is the first issue that you've read. First, I've read, I read three and I read four. And I saw um, some of the panels from one. Right, because yeah, it's a, when I uh, yeah I saw an interview with uh, Young about this, and it had a few of the first pages. And I'm like, yeah, I got to find this thing for you, Amanda. Remind me to get this book. <laughs> You're gonna really like it. <laughs> and and see, for me, I grew up with all of the Brian Jones, Brian um, Froud, uh, fairy books with you know the very detailed you know illustrations. Um, Froud has done the illustrations for some of the Dark Crystal. Uh, work yep. that has come out through um, Arkea. Uh, so he has, a, he has a particular style, which is not like Scotty Young's, but where I'm going with this is that I used to pour over these books as a kid and just sort of absorb all of the folk tales and fairy tales and stories and all of these things. And so I'm reading these books with that sort of jammer, 
yammering in the back of my head and this is just such a what it would really be like if you were stuck in fairyland <laughs> you know like oh you stop aging yeah well if you're six that kind of blows <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it would be pure hell and and just uh, the, the the way it the way that it's it's sort of impacted this girl and and how she's just sort of turned into almost a goblin herself well, <laughs> because it, of her, her long-term exposure <laughs> yeah it's well first of all it's if you're not familiar with scotty young's art style which i i can't imagine but it's possible if you're a superhero fan and just refuse to pick up anything that it's it's very it, it's it's almost reminds me of sort of calvin and Hobbes. yeah okay uh you know, large heads very cartoony very cutesy cartoony he does yeah. mini marvels mini marvel so yeah, back during uh, AV, AV, uh, VX, yep. he did Mini A versus yeah. Mini X. And it was glorious. Uh, which is glorious, <laughs> even though it sounds like midget like pornography. Clubhouse war. <laughs> yes. But so yeah, it's a very cartoony style. So he does a fairyland that looks cutesy and beautiful. But the conceit behind the story is there's this character, spoilers by the way, <laughs> But this is not in any form of continuity. Her name is Gertrude. Her name is Gertrude, and she was brought to Fairyland to complete a quest to find the key back to her world so she could go home. Right. That was 27 years ago because she is not very good at questing. No, she's not. And and it's supposed to be like this great honor. Oh, like, when, you know, we, we let a kid in. They get to have this sort of magical time. They go home. Nobody believes them. They grow up, though, and that, you know, whatever. They fucks up their life, and they start drinking <laughs> Berkshire Brewing Company Steel Rail Pale Start <laughs> looking for a man called the doctor because they want to feel special again. <laughs> <laughs> but When they get home, it's nothing but $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. And jelly babies. Um, <laughs> So, so Gertrude, yeah, she's she's not very good at this whole questing thing. What she's good at is being a thug. <laughs> yeah, she's twenty seven years old and angry and knows guns. And because of the rules of the realm, she's indestructible because she's just there to fulfill a simple quest and to make her childhood magical. <laughs> <laughs> Except if you if you made me sleep under a toadstool with my friend Jiminy Cricket after five years. If I reached 12 years old and that was my life. I would, I would have burnt the place down. Exactly. <laughs> and she talks about that too. And, and I, I forget which issue it is. She's just like been exposed daily to bright colors that I, that, that hurt my mind. And <laughs> yeah. So it's, about a constant sugar jack. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just this, this series and this comic about this horrible, angry, for all intents and purposes, midget. Because she looks six, but she's 30. Well, you know, it sort of thematically unites this this episode. We're talking about our prolonged, protracted adolescent. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can get behind where this is going for this young lady. Uh, She she runs around with a battle axe, destroying things. (laughs) Yeah, but, but the cognitive dissonance of Scotty Young's cute, (laughs) Calvin and Hobbes-ish, it looks like a little cartoon world. With this little cartoon girl and and her Jiminy Cricket cigar smoking angry Lenny. fucking His Lenny, Lenny. <laughs> going through this place, refusing to play by the rules because I'm not here to quest anymore. It's been 27 years. Give me the fucking key. <laughs> give it to me. I'll fucking take the slivers out from under your fingernails if you give it to me. Give me. <laughs> I got nothing to live for. My best friend here started life as a maggot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. So it's it's just this weird cognitive dissonance of seeing what should be a cute fairy story 
with just this angry, angry <laughs> horrible, dark, humor-filled little girl <laughs> with green hair and a green beard when she sleeps for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> some people get hairy. There's no waxing in Fairyland. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. That's a potential <laughs> title. Because we didn't get to my title. I'm keeping my notes. As, as I was taking notes on Legends of Tomorrow, I wrote something down. I'm like, that's the fucking title. So I'm keeping I'm keeping it for next week. But um I, I think, you know, it's we, we, we often joke on this show because it's true that children are deaf. <laughs> yeah. And and Fairyland hates her because she's just cutting this swath of destruction through Fairyland. And they they come up with uh, a sort of outside-the-box idea. Fine, we'll bring in another little girl, and whoever gets to the key first uh, wins. And then the other one, who will probably be Gertrude because she's not really special, and she's she's not very good at figuring out puzzles. <laughs> yeah. Um, she'll probably be stuck here, and then we can take our revenge on her because she has been the death of our kind for so long now. That's right. And once once somebody else loses the once somebody else completes the quest, <laughs> then uh Gertrude no longer is under our protection because the quest has been completed and Gertrude will become a citizen of Fairyland. Right. No, not to give the whole thing away. <laughs> but that's the thing about a, a story like this, you you can't give it away. Half the half the joy is just in this beautiful cartoony art. And the horrors happening within it. Well, and the horror for Gertrude is she meets Happy. The little girl's fucking name is Happy. Of course it's Happy. And she's got the big doe eyes. Ah, hi, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> I'm the rainbow bright powers. Eee! <laughs> yeah, fucking kill it with fire. Yeah, please, please don't make that joke. <laughs> don't, don't do that voice again. That's terrible. But that's how Gertrude feels. <laughs> and I understand that. And if you feel that way hearing that voice, this is ultimately... He, he, Here's the spoiler for the entire book in one sound clip. Okay, um, I'm lost. Uh, I'm angry, and I'm armed. That's basically <laughs> the entire book. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So if you're looking for something uh, a little different, <laughs> yeah, it's a. This is a, an image book. I it's don't an see image it. book. Yeah, it's it. So <laughs> Scotty Young's a big enough name uh, that our local comic store, which is mostly superhero stuff, yeah, uh, has been carrying it. Right. Um. But uh, yeah, and I'm not, Jesus, I'm sitting here. I didn't, uh, look, I think this is a mini series. I'm not sure how long it runs for. Uh, that's a good question. But uh, th- does it say on the, on no, the cover? No, it doesn't. Okay. So either way, uh, go to your comic store and just say, yeah, just <laughs> tell them if you've got this, add it to my polls. Right. And if you don't have it, please order it for me. Yeah. And, and cause it, one way or the other will be out, out in trade, but it's one of those, if you're a superhero sci-fi fan, it's the kind of thing you may just say, uh, because like I said, I picked it up on a whim just because, uh, Scotty Young, I like the kind of stuff he does with mini, mini Avengers. Yeah. And it's just a really fucking fun book. It's a great book. So. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, we're rooting for Gertrude. I suspect she's going to win, but you never know because. <laughs> Exactly. Because this is reasons. But, um, you know, again, hearkening back to the, the old fairy tales I would read in these books, there's a, there's a chance, you know, all right, so she's got the, the no aging going on. She's permanently six years old. She very likely, if she survives this, if, if Scotty wants to go down this road, uh, it would be completely accurate to the old fairy tales. She sets foot on a normal, like, 
regular land, not fairy land. She will age completely to where she's supposed to be and then crumble <laughs> to dust where she stands. <laughs> and she will be okay with that because her mind will be quiet. That would be the perfect ending <laughs> to this book, and that's what I want to see. So, Scotty, if you're listening, because we got a lot of pull in the industry. Yeah. I don't know if you heard, all producers. <laughs> produce, nothing but producers listen to the show. But <sighs> Yeah, no, the... the, the the beard out of nowhere was kind of hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, there's no bikini wax in Fairyland either then presumably. <laughs> oh. 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 You just want to suck the joy out of everything. <laughs> it's where my mind goes and I share with you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks. 100 episodes everybody. 100 episodes. <laughs> All right, so I guess that's a that's a plan for uh, next week's uh, big, completely anticlimactic hundred and first episode. We'll yes. we'll talk about Legends tomorrow, and we'll talk about the uh, assuming we're right about the debut date. I think uh, it's the, tonight. The X Files. Pretty sure it's tonight. Uh, the first episode of the X Files uh, reunion. Um, mini series. Yeah, because it's not a not revisit. A reboot. It's a revisiting, I guess. Because yeah, when a... I when I dialed it up on the TiVo, they said it was season ten. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Oh. <laughs> Mama said. Pretend. Oh, no. shit. Mama said. $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. I'm good with this. <laughs> <laughs> Here's to 100 more episodes of this shit. Please help me. <laughs> Steel rail, pale ale, everybody. Jesus. <laughs> all right. We're so happy. <laughs> oh. Wee. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going back to the soundboard. All right. <laughs> so that's next week's show. Are, are we good with this week's? I think we're good. All right. So wrap it up. Yeah. All right. So as usual, uh, I don't know where you found this show, but you should fucking do something about that. They're clearly don't have your best interests at heart. <laughs> but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, you can always send us a message there. We're trying to do more with that. I swear to God. <laughs> As I every week I say that and I do nothing with it, I really have to do more with that. But eventually, uh, you know what? Send that, us those, those, that handful of you that liked our page this week. Thank you. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know what? Like the page. Send us some messages that reminds me it exists, and then maybe I'll dial, <laughs> I'll dial into it and do something. I get messages with it. on my phone that tell me that you know, Rob has gone into it. Like you know, something has accessed your Facebook page from here. Is that okay? Like I guess. <laughs> <laughs> might be Rob. Might be a hacker. I, I don't, don't know. know but... <laughs> Anyway, that is facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. We are on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is at infinite midlife. Uh, we are on Tumblr. Yes. Crisis on infinite midlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. And if that is your favorite way of obtaining podcasts, uh, do us a favor, give us a rating, shoot us a review. It helps new people find the show. Mm-hmm. We are on TuneIn Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. And that is it. Did I miss anything? I think that's it. All right. So this has been the 100th 100th episode of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. setting the world on fire! Thunk. <laughs> <laughs>